Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us in our series, First Peter, Hope in the Midst of Suffering. In this series, we will discover how to experience hope within suffering through learning how to embrace love, submission, and identity in the midst of challenges as we follow the example of Christ. We pray that this message is a blessing. you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible um, with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls concerning the salvation the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached a gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. Let's Oh, you can take that down, Em. Yep, awesome. Thank you. Let's give Emma a big clap as she goes down. Well, friends, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, my name is Dylan. I serve as one of the pastors here at New Life Brisbane. And I've got some really exciting news. Some of you or most of you would know that uh, at the end of this year, we are planting a church, that New Life Brisbane is sending us to plant a church in the Moreton Bay region, which is super exciting. Now, in order to do that, it wasn't just that Dylan, Casey, Steve, and Alex kind of make this decision to go, we're going to send you. We actually want to partner with the Uniting Church and be sent out and blessed and commissioned in what we do. And I can report back that after Wednesday night, we got sent in, prayed in, and agreed upon to become a faith community in the Moreton Bay region by the Uniting Church, which is so, so awesome, which is very, very great news. So we are just so excited about what God is going to do. And I just want to take a moment and thank you. Thank you for your prayers. There's 150 people sitting here right now that without the prayers, maybe God wouldn't do things. And so with that, we just want to say thank you. We love you. You will always be our church family. And we are so, so thankful for each of you, which is awesome. Friends, the second exciting thing is this, that we this afternoon are kicking off a new teaching series in the book of First Peter. Just, you can clap about that as well, right? We, we like the Bible here, right? You can clap. And what we've titled this sermon series is this, Hope in the Midst of Suffering. Hope in the Midst of Suffering. And I want to encourage you that for the next kind of six, seven, eight weeks, bring your Bibles to church. We're going to be going kind of verse by verse through the Scriptures, and it's going to be pretty hard for you to follow along with me because we kind of like to keep the font on the screen able so that everyone can kind of see it. It's going to be hard. If you don't have some form of Bible, it's going to be hard for you to follow. So please, can I encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. Let's go old school. Sandra's got it. It's awesome. But friends, first, Peter. I want to start our sermon series this afternoon by giving a bit of context to the book of first Peter. The book of first Peter is written by a man by the name of Peter. Peter. That's good. Who would have thought, right? Peter writes his book. Peter writes a letter, a pastoral letter to a church in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey, who have had to become scattered. There's become a whole lot of persecution that the church has experienced, and the church is looking for some leadership in a time where they need to scatter because persecution has started to come. 
And friends, the good news about the gospel as we read in Acts and all the epistles is this, that when the church is persecuted and they scatter, the goodness of the gospel spreads forward. The mission and message of Jesus gets taken and it gets a supernatural increase to it as well. This is what happens when people are persecuted. So Peter writes this letter. And he writes this letter to these people and he wants to encourage him, them with one key theme and it's this, hope. Hope in the midst of suffering. Peter's not sitting there being like, oh, I'm just going to encourage you to speak about tithing a bit more or change your worship style. Because who knows that when you are oppressed, when you are a people who are struggling, God has a message for you and it's this, hope in suffering. And those of, some of you would have journeyed in this Christian path for a few years now, and, and probably what you, like me, need to hear more about is this, hope. Yeah. If you've done this journey for a few years and you've walked through the ups and the downs of life, it is hope which your heart needs. Because this life is not easy. There are moments of struggle, there are moments of toil, there are moments of pain. And this is what Paul, Peter writes to the church, a dispersed people an exiled people, a remnant, and he says this, there is hope for you. And I just want to make a quick aside on the life of Peter as well, and it's this. Sometimes when we read the scriptures and we read kind of these pastoral epistles, the pastoral letters, we're like, man, how much faith do these people have? They're writing all these letters, they're kind of penning to paper. It's like we've got Eugene Peterson crossed with like different other ministers, and we go, wow, they must be amazing. Let me remind you who Peter was before the coming of the Spirit in Acts 2. Can anyone remember kind of who Peter was? Peter was the guy who denied Jesus. He's the one who Jesus called Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter's the one who Jesus says, I must go away and suffer. And, Jesus, and Peter's like, never, Lord. And Jesus is there like, I must go away and suffer, Peter. You don't get this. And then what happens is this. The Spirit of God falls in Acts 2 in Pentecost in the upper room. The Spirit douses on people. Tongues of fire appear on people's heads. And the Spirit of God empowers the church to go forward and preach the gospel with boldness. And sometimes, like, I love the Holy Spirit. Right? Those of you, you watched me, like, some of the other weeks, like, you're the guy who yells in worship. It's like, full disclosure, that is me. All right? I love the power and the presence of God. I love, I love God's manifest presence. But the gift in the giver of the Spirit do not just make us be a hyped-up emotional people. The Holy Spirit anoints us for gospel proclamation to a world who needs to know about Jesus. That's where the gospel goes. So Peter has had his life changed by the Holy Spirit. And I want us to remember that tonight, that when the Spirit comes upon us, yes, he gives gifts. Yes, he makes us excited. Yes, he makes us be able to do things that we haven't done before. But all of that is worth very little if the Spirit of God doesn't take a hold of us and empower us to take the gospel in our Monday to Saturday. That's what the good news does. I just want to start there with a bit of an aside. So the theme of 1 Peter is this. It's the timeless message of hope amidst a generation who are experiencing suffering. The timeless message of hope amidst a generation who are experiencing suffering. And Peter writes to a church who is in great upheaval. It's not easy to be a Christian in their day. They haven't won the lotto. Things aren't going awesome. It's a time of upheaval. Yet Peter writes this pastoral letter to them to encourage them in a time of upheaval. And I want to ask us the question tonight, and it's this. Have you had a time of upheaval? Have you been in a time where you ask the question like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. 
where am I? Have you had a season where you start the Christian life and you're like, whoo, worship's awesome. It's easy to lift my hands in worship. I'm here with all my friends. And then life changes, things change at work, you have a couple of kids, you're tired all the time. <laughs> or, sorry, <laughs> in my head I'm like, where am I going with that? It's a strange connection I'm about to make. But, but follow me here. Or, you're in a season where you lose a loved one. Now, in a group this size, right, there's going to be an extent to which you either fit into one of those categories. You're either experiencing a season of upheaval yourself, where things aren't going as you planned. You know, maybe your body's feeling older than it once did. Maybe you're not happy with the fact that interest rates are now 6%. Or you've got friends and loved ones who are going through a hard time. And what I really believe tonight is this, is that the words of Peter through the epistle to the churches in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, have a message for us this afternoon. And it's this, is that hope will endure through suffering. And you need to hear that again. Hope will endure in suffering. The Christian gospel message is not just a, a bunch of people who lift their hands in worship and go out and act like everything's great. No! We have a gospel that has both the mountaintops and the valley lows, and Jesus is found in both of those. Hope amidst suffering. Seasons of upheaval are inevitable. You're going to go through them, I'm going to go through them, if you have not already gone through them. In a past role, I used to sit with individuals <clears throat> as a social worker, and I would sit with them in their biggest... There was a Honda Accord that went through early. Did anyone see that? Yeah, sick. Um, <laughs> dealing with his Hilux ute when I was 20 years old. But anyway, that's an aside. In the past, I would sit with people as a social worker, and I would sit with those, some of whom are going through domestic violence, some of whom have lost their kids to kind of statuary, statutory protection. And I would sit with them, and I would hear their story. They were in a season of upheaval. And I'd spend kind of nine weeks of intense therapeutic presence with them. And it, got, it always got to the stage at about week seven, and it was this. I'd sit down with them, and they'd end up saying to me, they'd say, Dill, I've talked to you for seven weeks now. It's like, and they go, that's all awesome. But I'm in a season of complete grief and hurt and pain. And they'd say this, what do you have to say to me? What can change my lived experience of pain in this moment? And that's the truth of hard seasons. It's this, is that you might be able to kind of walk through hard seasons for a while and not ask yourselves these kind of existential questions. But if you're keyed into your very being long enough, your heart will want to ask this question. What can you say to me? God, how can you help me when I go through this? And the beautiful thing here tonight is that it's almost like Peter has realized he's read the heartbeat of his people he knows what they're experiencing in being a persecuted people, the church. He knows that they're losing loved ones, that Nero, the emperor of the time, is oppressing everyone. And Peter gets to this stage and he thinks this, and he goes, all right, what am I going to say to a people? What are the first words that I'm going to pen to this community that I kind of bring pastoral oversight to? The question for you is, what's the first thing you would say to someone who's struggling? What's the first question you would say to those who are going through a hard time? And tonight I want to encourage you to do what I got told not to do at Bible college. And it's this. You're like, what's he going to say? It's this. I want you tonight, 
rather than hearing a guy who yells a bit scream down at you, I want you to position yourselves in front of the Word of God tonight so that as I read out the Scriptures in 1 Peter 1, I want you to think, what is Peter saying to me? What is the Spirit encouraging me through as I hear about how I can endure in suffering? So now what I want to do is, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up. 1 Peter 1, verses 3. And we're going to read this. We're going to read what Peter says, how he opens this letter to the people. And he says this. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The theme of Peter's book is this, hope in suffering. And Peter begins to send his people a pastoral letter. And he says, hope in suffering. This is how you endure. Friends, I want to look at three things tonight, but the first thing I want to look at is this. The first place that Peter finds hope is, number one, in inheritance. Inheritance. Some of you, you might be in your early 20s, kind of late 20s slash late 40s, and you just have a mortgage, and you're like, I'm never going to be able to inherit anything. I'm not going to be able to pass anything down to my kids. You might have a $95,000 hex debt like I have (laughs) after you spent too long at Bible college, not because you failed, just because you really love that season of life. <laughs> inheritance is a strange word. I looked it up. Inheritance is the practice of receiving private property, titles, entitlements, privileges, rights, and obligations upon the death of an individual. What's inheritance? It's you becoming the benefic- yep. beneficiary yep. of those who have achieved something and then passed it on to you. And Peter starts, he wants to anchor the church and he wants to tell them this, that it's all because of Jesus Christ that you can have hope, that you're going to experience an inheritance, not because of what you are doing, not because of your lived experience, but because of who Jesus is. Inheritance. Again, years ago, I I, I was a youth worker. Some of you are like, how did Dylan ever work with youth? I was a lot cooler back then. Back then it was easy to be cooler. Thanks, man. And I remember sitting down with this boy who would each, each week, I did a bit of like mentoring with him, and I'd sit down with him week upon week, and I was at a, what we call a flexi school, which is kind of a school for kind of at-risk, disadvantaged youth. And this guy, he was bringing knives to school, knuckle dusters. He brought knuckle dusters once to school. And I was like, do these things even, like, I didn't know these were real. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I can try it on your deal if you want. I'm like, oh, no, like, I believe that they're real. You can laugh at that, it's fine. And I remember sitting down with this boy, Let's call him Nate. And Nate said to me, and he goes, he goes, Dill, I said, Nate, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep acting up at school? And he, I, I remember that, that, man, the wisdom of a 15-year-old boy, honestly. He sat down with me at that moment and he said, I'm just worried. And he said, I'm worried that I came into the world with nothing and I'm going to leave the world with nothing. And Nate met me in that moment, and, he, and he, let, he let me in on something that I think is common to the human heart, and it's this. If you don't believe that you have an inheritance, if you don't believe that you're walking into anything good in this life, why would you bother? Why would you bother? It's challenging, right? Because then we get to the Gospels as Christians, and we need to ask our, ourselves this question. What's your inheritance in front of Jesus? 
do you know what God has for you? Because how can you ever have hope if you don't know what hope will do in your life? Why would you ever believe in Jesus Christ if it didn't change your lived experience? Inheritance. Inheritance is important. And I was challenged when I put this scripture together, and I'll tell you why. Because 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And I went, you know what? That's the gospel. I know that. We, we know Jesus died for our sins. It's like, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tell, tells me so. We read our kids this. And I went, awesome. That's the gospel. And then I thought for a moment, and I asked myself this question. Sometimes why does that truth not change my life? Why do I not leave this place changed sometimes? And then I read the next verse. Come with me to the next verse, and it says this. You are saved through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 4, and into an inheritance. You haven't just been saved from something, you've been saved into something, an inheritance. It worries me that no one's excited about that. You've been saved into an inheritance. It's good. I love when we get the Uniting Church a bit excited. It's like, whew. It's good. Get the two-step going. And friends, for you tonight, I wonder whether this is what we need. Maybe you need to inquire into your inheritance. Maybe you've spent so long knowing Jesus Christ and knowing what God saved you from that maybe you need to come back to the Scriptures again and inquire into what God has saved you to, which is a good life. Not a prosperous life. You don't have to drive a Lambo. But God has saved you into something beautiful, an inheritance an inheritance. And part of the Christian journey is to know what you have been saved into, not just to know what you've been saved from. The whole point of the Christian journey is not that you would get a ticket pass out of hell, but that more so than that, you would get refreshed and released into the blessings of eternity. That's Peter's point here. Hope in inheritance. These early believers did not have much. But Peter orientates their heart in this moment to this, inheritance. Inheritance. They're found. They're saved. They're loved. And Peter says this, that the nature of this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. Imperishable. Undefiled. Unfading. Kept in heaven. Like what would it mean for you to walk out of here tonight or this afternoon and leave with a sense that that is a reality for your life? That the gospel message which once came to, your, to you or that you're hearing for the first time now cannot be taken away from you. Doesn't matter what season you go through, doesn't matter who you lose, who those who are loved people in your life hurt you, there's an inheritance that Christ has for you which is undefiled, it's never going to be tampered with. It's unfading. It will never be removed from your life. And it's kept in heaven. It's put away. It's secured because of Jesus. We need to be a people who preach ourselves the full gospel. Not just the people who get saved from something. I don't get out of bed simply because I was saved from something. I get out of bed because I was saved from something and brought into an inheritance. And it's that that I want to disciple people into. Otherwise, I'd get bored. Otherwise, what, what separates the Christian worldview from another worldview? When I think about my friends who I started the journey with, who've left the faith, I just think about this. I, my heart breaks because it's like, 
If all the gospel was and is is a proclaimed message about repentance from sin and not an entrance into eternal life and fullness of joy, then what, like, what are we doing? Inheritance, fullness of joy. So the way forward in suffering pain is not in making much of the pain itself, but it's in making much of the cure, Jesus, and his complete inheritance in this time. Because of what Jesus has done, faith and belief in him secures a living hope. But that's the start of the journey. That's where we start. It's not where we finish. I know I keep laboring this point, but I I want us to hear that and get that tonight. John 10.10. The thief came. The thief came to take away all everything in your life. But Jesus has come so that you would experience life. Not life in terms of like, oh, I've just like, I know Jesus now, I've been saved, it's good. Life in all its fullness. Let's move on. All right. This is secure. And sometimes what we need to do, therefore, is this read the scriptures and take God at his word. And have this inner anthem of our heart which says, God, I'm going to take you at your word, and what you say, I'm going to believe it to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is yours, friends. Take hold of that gift tonight. That's point number one. Point number two that Peter says is this. We find hope through joy in Christ. Peter knew what, he was, that what the people were saved into, and therefore that message now enabled them and empowered them to live a life where they felt joy, and Paul's going to write, Peter's going to write this now, and he says this in verse 6. He says, In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Notice that Peter's kind of assuming that there's going to be a heart flip here. He's like, you have an inheritance, and therefore, because of your inheritance, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials. And I don't know what your trial is. All kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's the hope in the gospel. That's the hope in joy. So we read about this inheritance, but it still begs the question, what is God doing in the pain that I experience? And I love that when we go through the word of God like this, it begins to answer things that our hearts long for. What do we do with pain and suffering? And I believe that that's a question that our human hearts ask all the time. And it's not as if you're going to answer this once and then you're never going to answer it again. That's why we meditate on the law of God, is that we need to re-anchor ourselves in this. Otherwise, disillusionment, disappointment, distraction come knocking at our door. I've been doing this Christian thing for long enough to know that if my heart isn't anchored here, I get let down. Come out for a coffee with me. I'll tell you my story. We get let down. Sometimes it's the church who hurts us. Sometimes it's other people who hurt us. We get let down. I remember it was 2019, a few months before COVID hit, and I, just, I went to bed. I think I've told this story a few times. I literally went to bed one night full of faith. At the time, Casey and I were planning a church. Faith, faith, faith. Woke up the next morning, doubted everything. Nothing had changed. I didn't get food poisoning the night before. It just happened. 
And I remember I woke up and the next morning I called one of my mentors and I called him and I said, look, I've just had the weirdest experience. I've gone to bed. Casey and I were in a bit of a hard season and it's like, it's like my body and my life caught up with my experience now. And I was like, I don't know what I think anymore. I rung a mentor and they shared this with me. I was crying and they said this, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And can I just say, that was the least helpful thing that anyone's ever told me in my life. It's like, I'm there crying, crisis of faith, on the verge of deconstruction. And I'm like, I don't know whether I believe anymore. And they're like, Dale, I've got a message for you. And I'm like, oh, great, because I'm vulnerable. God works all things for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purposes. And I was just like, like, I know that's true, but it doesn't mean anything to me right now. But yet Peter paints this way forward where there's hope in suffering and there's joy in the suffering and that if we would let the suffering in our lives become a catalyst for the goodness and mercies of God's grace, it means this, you don't need to be this amazing Christian who's always happy, who comes to church and is really stoked. You can be someone who comes to church in the mess, in the miry clay, but put your eyes onto Jesus. There's a difference there. Sometimes I come to these pastor's things, not anyone at this church, but broader pastoral things, and people are like, Dill, you're a bit of a pessimist sometimes. It's like, it's because I, I woke up one night and had a crisis of faith, and then God's been rebuilding my heart ever since. But the point is this, that as God's done that, my heart has come alive to the beauty of the gospel again. And I feel particularly led in this moment to speak into people's hearts in this moment. If you are wrestling with faith, welcome to the history of the church. Welcome to the experience of the saints who've gone before. God hasn't left you. If you're deconstructing in this place, God hasn't left you. You're not naughty. But Peter says something here. And he says this. If there's a binary, if one way is like happy Pentecostal Dylan, always stoked about everything, and if the other way is to throw out the faith, there's a middle ground. We as the people of God must become good at transcending the ways of doing Christian life. It's not about denying pain. It's not about leaning too much into it. It's about looking it down the barrel and letting it literally, Jesus, face like flint, looking towards where Jesus is taking you and using all of that to become wind in your sails that at the proper time, cast all your anxieties onto God and at the proper time, he will exalt you. What you don't know about that story, you ask my wife, a year and a half of that season, while I'm pastoring, while I'm preaching every week, asking these big questions. And I remember a distinct moment where God said, just partner with me, Dill. Don't try and outrun me. Don't try and be too worried about your real feelings. Let your suffering produce in you a hope that is glorious, that is kept in heaven, that's an inheritance for you. And my pastoral encouragement to us would be this too. Don't look left, don't look right, look to Jesus. Point number three, and then we're going to end. The third thing that we see is this, number three, Peter finds hope in the fulfillment of Christ. He says this in verse 10, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. I love that he added the greatest care. It's good to look intently at something. It's good to do it with great care. It's a little aside. I just, I just like that. Verse 11, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, it was revealed to them, those of old, 
that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that they have now been told by you, those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels look to long, long to look into these things. So verse 10 begins by showing us that for centuries, prophets had proclaimed to people, turn from your idols. There's a coming Messiah. There's a coming Messiah. Turn away from your idols. Come back to God. Come back to God. And we see here that with each generation, they awaited Christ to come. They awaited the Christ who was going to come to make all things new. And Peter's point here is that, that when you labor in the sufferings of life, you can position yourself to get this real truth that there is a glory which is to come in Jesus. That Jesus, friends, will come one day and wipe away all tears from everyone's eyes. Like, do you ever just, do you ever wake up in the morning and you're just like, I, I, Jesus, come back? Like, I love church. I love Jesus. I love doing my life with Jesus. I'll tell you what, I trade everything in to have this prayer, come Lord Jesus, come and do something amazing in our time. This is Peter's point. And Peter was the guy who confessed Christ. Remember when Peter confessed Christ? And Jesus then said, I need to go away. And Peter's like, no, you don't need to go away. And it's his point that Peter didn't get it. But then the Holy Spirit came upon him and now he's writing this letter to the people and he's saying this, it's clicked. It's clicked that Christ is coming. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ indeed will come again. And this was the man that did not know whether Jesus needed to die. But he's taken himself to this stage to know in his heart that the Old Testament had spoken about a coming Messiah. And Peter had awoken to this beauty that, you know what? He's going to come back and he's going to fulfill all things. There are sufferings now, but there are more glories to follow. Awesome news. And part of this, I think, too, is, is that we don't picture heaven enough as Christians. We're evangelicals, which is awesome. We're good at reading and consuming, which is great. We're good at taking the Word of God and eating it. But sometimes I fear that we need to think about heaven more and to take our gaze off of what we see in this world and into an eternity that is to come. And that gives us perspective. And it brings to life the word of God. Because it says this, it says that when I let my heart dream about eternity which is to come, I hunger for it more, which means that I'm more joyful in suffering. I have a hope that is undefiled. And I dream forward and I go, God, you are coming back. The Christian experience, therefore, becomes more than just going to church, doing the stuff, and all that is beautiful and good. But the Christian experience then becomes this, that we gather to be edified and encouraged in the gospel, and we begin to prophetically preach the truth of God's word to one another that says Christ has died, Christ has risen, but he will come again. That's the point here. He will come again. So tonight as the band comes up, What I want to do is, I just felt particularly led as I was putting this message together, just at this, and and it it was because of my experience with that young boy that I talked about, and it's this, that if you don't feel sent by blessing in your life, you will live from cursing. If you don't get a sense that the Father has blessed you, anointed you, loves you, thanks you, 
that you are his beloved son and daughter. If blessing is not there in your life, the opposite spirit of that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will always walk thinking that you are the tail and not the head. You will always walk with the sense that God does not love you. You will always be wrestling to feel his love and embrace. And so in this moment, I want to encourage us as we wrap up and the band's going to lead us beautifully in worship. If you want to stand with me at this moment, band's going to begin to play behind us. And really what I want this moment to be is this. I'd encourage you now, rather than being like, is the preacher going to call me forward? Is it going to be a big moment? I want you to take a breath. Take a breath in this moment. Or a sneeze, in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I'd love to invite you now to just close your eyes. And let's step into a place where we take God at His Word. And what God says about us, we begin to believe. If you want to even extend your arms out in this moment or your hands or just whatever would be a place where you can receive the most. I just want to respond to Scripture and I just want to declare some Scripture over us and just bless us as a people of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says this, Paul writes this. He says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Christian, your temptation in life will be this, to not take God at His word. That'll be the key thing that you struggle with. Some of you are like, no, I believe the Bible. We, we, have, we have a lot more belief sometimes than we do faith. So in this moment, I want to just release some scriptures over us. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here in this moment. We pause, Lord, as a people, a critical mass in a room who might be experiencing suffering and a lack of hope in this season. Holy Spirit, we just pray you would come. We invite your presence in this moment to speak into our hearts, speak to the silence of our hearts. Lord, we love that we can cry out, Abba, Father, because you love us. So Abba, we invite you to come into this place now. For those here, Lord, who are functioning with an orphan spirit, those who don't feel blessed and released by a generation older than them. Lord, I bless what you're about to impart through your word in this moment. So friends, as every eye is closed, Isaiah 61.7, the Lord says this to you. Instead of shame, you will be given a double portion. Instead of humiliation, you will shout for joy. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, you will shout for joy. Therefore, you will possess a double portion in the land and everlasting joy will be yours. So Lord, in this moment, we just release joy in this place. Fresh joy, Lord. Where the enemy has taken away something from individuals, Father, we just, in Jesus' name, release an anointing of joy. Psalm 2.8, the Lord says, Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. And Lord, to those in this place who have been squandered and squashed, Lord, where maybe an authority figure has come in and they've hurt their heart and they've wounded them, Lord, Lord, we release again a fresh inheritance in this place. We call forth sons and daughters to step into your inheritance, to know that 
you are the beloved of God and in you he is well, well, well pleased. So Father, we ask in Jesus' name the orphan spirit will be gone. Deuteronomy 32 verse 9 says this, the Lord's portion is his people. And again, Abba, for those who feel that they are not your beloved, for those who feel that they must hide in shame because of what they've done in their lives, we release again Deuteronomy 32.9, the Lord's portion is his people. But you are his portion. You are his prize. God loves you. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of his calling is, what are the riches of his, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so with that, Lord, we end in this moment, Lord. As a people extending out to you, Lord, I just release a blessing over those that they would know that there is an inheritance that is theirs, kept by you, Jesus. That in a culture which says that inheritance is to get a house, to get a mortgage, to do all these things, that, Lord, the spirit of adoption would fall on us as your people in this moment. Just invite your Holy Spirit. We love your presence. We love that you're lifting the load of heaviness. Where there's a heaviness, Lord, you're giving a garment of praise and of joy. And as we end, I particularly, I bless those in this room who are struggling with earthly relationships with parents. I bless those who wonder whether there's ever a way back into the fullness of what God has for them. Because there's a parent or a spouse or someone there who they are hurt by. I declare in the name of Jesus that today, it's a line in the sand moment. Nothing will hold you back from God. Nothing will hold you back. You are his inheritance. You are his prize. And the Father loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or our Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.